Greetings in Jesus' name again this morning. It is good to be together again. Somebody asked me if I was ready to preach. And it reminded me of, uh, I asked one of my blood brothers that same question when he was in the area for a series of meetings. And uh, his response was, well, you probably never get ready, but there comes a time when you have to deliver. And so it's quarter after 11. It's time to deliver, ready or not. Um, and that's okay. I probably never stand up here and think uh, I'm ready. Um, but that's the way it is. And I'm not going to apologize for some loose ends this morning. Um, you know, it. Um, we, we think about... You know, we go down this rabbit trail. We go down this rabbit trail. Um, I was reminded yesterday that from the source of power, there are a lot of branches off of that power. So I jotted down here when the prayer requests were going on. So why didn't I ask for a prayer of thanksgiving for electricity this morning. And you'll understand a little bit why I didn't, maybe in a little bit. Um, because some people might think, well, he was wanting to point to the fact that he suffered a good bit yesterday. Um, actually, we had a pretty good day yesterday. Um, but it is a, it is a fresh reminder so when I turned the, or when the power came back on and I went to reprogram the thermostat last night on the thing, apparently the power went off about 3.40 Friday afternoon and it came back on about 9.30 something last evening. Um, and so, you know, about 30 hours without electricity, uh, that's a, a long time when it's as hot as it was, right? But when I watched them working on that power line yesterday, I realized that one line takes care of a lot of different areas. And so we watched them closing the circuit down just up from Bowman Apple along Route 11 last yesterday afternoon. We thought, well... Won't be long till our power's back on. Because, see, the line was broken in the town of Edinburgh, just up from the mill. There was a pole broken off, and a T broken off, of the, the crossbar was broken off of another pole, and the lines were on the ground. And this was a main transmission line. But just because they hooked it up down there didn't mean we had power. So we came back into town and saw that they were closing circuits down off of Stony Creek. And we thought, well, maybe Pat's got electricity now. 
And so Catherine checked with her. No, it's not on. But about that time, she said, yeah, I got power back on. We still didn't have any electricity. And I came to find out that, you know, there apparently is not some uh, uh, people don't pay real close attention to their surroundings sometimes, I guess. And uh, they were talking about turning the power back on back into our section. And somebody said, well, you better get that tree off the power line down there by the campground before you turn the power back on. They said, what tree? And it was right over the road. We saw it Friday evening. And it stayed there all day yesterday. And, excuse me, they were turning the power back on up the line. And I went down there, that tree was still laying on the power line. And um, so I went out to look again, and I came down through the, or no, I came into the bottom where the road was blocked, came back out, and here came a power truck. Well, he decided he couldn't cross that little bridge down there, and so he backed up and turned around and came in, and I followed him in. Well, he came down below there and cut the tree off of the power line. The power line wasn't broken, but it was sagging pretty bad. And when he left, he said, oh, a few more minutes, your power will be back on. And I went, and we waited, and we waited, and I, well, did they get it all or didn't they? So... Why am I telling you all this? Not to feel sorry that we're the last ones to get electricity because we weren't a week ago. We had electricity in our neighbor right across the driveway. Didn't have electricity until like 1130 that night. So we were blessed that night too. So why am I going to all this? And it might not come clear in the title right now, but uh, I think maybe you'll see a little bit where I'm going. The title I have is, What Motivates Me? In other words, what was the underlying reason that I would have or didn't share that prayer request? What, what would have motivated me for that prayer of thanksgiving? Um, and I think my heart would have been right to have asked for a prayer of thanksgiving for electricity. But it might not have been. In other words, there's a possibility I could have been motivated by something different. So I'm going to look at a couple of motivations in Scripture. And then I'll have a number of questions that I want to look at just a little bit. Probably won't answer some of them, but at least to make you think a little bit. In John 18, it says this. Then led they Jesus unto Caiaphas, unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. So, what motivated these Jews not to go into the judgment hall? This was a prominent trial. We're not going in there. Why? Because they didn't want to be defiled because of the Passover that was coming. Pilate comes out and says, what accusation bring ye against this man? 
So what motivated them to stay out of that judgment hall? They didn't want to be defiled. So what motivated them to want to take Jesus down from the cross or the criminals with him? They didn't want to violate the Sabbath. Probably a good thing to take them down, but their motives were not correct because they were putting to death an innocent man. What motivated Jesus... What motivated Judas? Uh, let me let me. We'll, we'll get that one in a little bit. What motivated Judas to betray Jesus? Was it because he wanted him out of the way? Probably not. And I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. I think probably Judas was motivated by that 30 pieces of silver. And he had seen Jesus, and, and I appreciated what Caleb said at the opening this morning. Nobody took Jesus' life from him. He laid it down, and he can take it up again. You know, maybe we can lay our life down, but we can't take it up again. Jesus could. Just my thinking is that that Judas thought Jesus was going to do just like he did before and walk out. I can get this money and he can walk out. When he saw what was happening and Jesus wasn't going to walk out like he did before, he walked, I'm going to get this money back quick. That didn't change the outcome because Jesus was ready. Jesus was willing. Jesus was laying down his life. And Judas went out and dealt with himself. What motivated Pilate to come out and wash his hands and release Jesus to them anyhow? What motivated him? If you let him go, you're not Caesar's friend. That's what motivated him. Was his standing, his status. It's also said, and here again, I don't know that we have scripture for this, that Pilate committed suicide. And no, no, these last two took their own lives. That's not what the message is this morning. So let's bring it down to current day. I probably have used this one here, or some of you may remember it. So why did a man agree to sell hay for a certain price and then go out and sell it to somebody else? And it happened. The man that told me this, this account passed away, but it happened. He bought some hay from a Mennonite man. And when he went to make arrangements to pick it up, the man said the hay has already been sold. What motivated that man to sell that hay? 
was offered more money. So dollars and cents motivated him. So what's the driving force? What motivates people that attempt to fly around the earth in a hot air balloon? And I'll tell you, I'm not getting on a hot air balloon at Woodstock and flying to Edinburgh. I mean, I'd be motivated to stay on the ground because of fear, okay? Because I'm afraid of heights. Well, what motivates those people to do that? Now, yeah, you can see beauties moving slowly across the landscape. But what motivates somebody to want to go up there and fly out across the ocean and you might see a bird or a fish jump once in a while? Probably can't because you're too high. What motivates them? What motivates people to go out and climb a rock cliff? I don't understand it. Or to go down in an unexplored cave only to get caught and somebody have to go down and rescue them and maybe risk their own life. Now, probably I might would get a couple of different answers to some of these questions if I would ask for your response. Largely, these things are, well, climbing a rock cliff probably isn't for recognition. It's just for self-worth, probably. And I would say <laughs> my life wasn't worth much if I'm going to risk it up on the side of a rock cliff. But they think it does something to them. Why do people go out and buy lottery tickets? What motivates them? They want to be poor? They'll tell you it's because they want the riches. They don't want to have to work. But you know, statistics prove otherwise. A lot of those people are spending money that they really need for something else just so they think I can get rich and don't have to do this anymore. And in reality, when they win it, they're pretty soon in worse shape than they were before they started. So these are people out there, okay? None of you all climb rock cliffs, right? Uh, Maybe some of you would like to. I don't know. Uh, let me just give you a little word of caution. You go and climb a rock cliff and get caught. I love you, but I ain't coming after you. Uh, somebody would maybe risk their life for you, but uh, I, I don't think that I could make myself do it, even for any amount of money. But bring it closer home. So what motivates me to tell about my accomplishments in life? Or what motivates me to tell about my abilities in life? Are we really trying to bring God glory 
when we do that? I hope you are, or I hope I am. But I think too many times the motivation behind some of the things we say and do are probably a little more selfish than we'd like to realize or like to recognize. And I hesitate to um, say what I'm getting ready to say because it could imply some things and there is no implication intended in this, okay? So if you all ever wondered why J.P. Campbell doesn't reply to things on group chats, Is it because he don't care? Absolutely not. Uh, now, when I said absolutely not, that didn't mean that I absolutely don't care, okay? Uh, I don't wish my own children happy birthday on a our family chat line, okay? And I have no problem with somebody that does. But that's just not me, okay? Our youngest daughter had a birthday this past week, and probably my family don't, didn't know until now that I wished her a happy birthday because I sent her a personal text. And if I'm going to reply to a group text or group telegram or group WhatsApp, it's going to probably be in a personal way. Now, so I'm not implying that you have the wrong motive by replying to those or responding on that group text. Uh, but that's just the way I do it. I do not or rarely make any comments to a group comment or to a group text or to a group whatever back to the group. Now, sometimes if it if it is fitting, I would. That doesn't mean that I'm not praying when somebody asks for prayer. I just don't feel the need to tell everybody else JP's praying. I'll probably send you a personal text. I'm praying for you. Now, Please don't go away from here and say, and say, and I, it, it, it might reveal itself when I see <laughs> group chats. <laughs> but uh, I'm not condemning somebody that responds that way. That's just the way I operate, okay? Now, I might be motivated by the wrong reason in doing that. And you can share with me if you'd like afterward. Excuse me. Afterwards. So, what motivated a mother with her three girls to go and pick up sticks for an elderly lady when that mother had plenty of other things to do? And you know, I believe that motivation was a genuine motivation out of a heart of love from God. I don't think they were motivated by the wrong reason, even though they, 
I'm sure they have things at home that won't get done because of that. Now, I'm not going to tell you who it did, who, who any of the people were, okay? You know it wasn't me because I don't have three dollars. Yeah, I have three daughters. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, my wife's not going to be out there picking up sticks, and that's no reflection on her. So it wasn't me, okay? I didn't even say it was anybody from this congregation until now, but it was, all right? So what motivates me to get in the shortest line of the traffic light? And I, I'm going to tell you, I found out a few things. The shortest line of traffic light isn't necessarily the fastest line. Did you ever get in a line, come to a traffic light where there's two or three tractor trailers in this lane, and there's about ten cars in this lane, but you get behind the cars because you don't want to be behind those trucks? Let me tell you something. A lot of times that line of three trucks is going to move out faster than that line of ten cars. Why is that? I don't know. I haven't done any scientific study on this, okay? But when that truck moves, it moves the space of three cars. And this truck's going to be close behind it and move a space of three more cars. How much space is it between these three cars when they pull away from a traffic light? A lot of times it's a good bit of distance. So you have these three vehicles that get farther and farther apart when they take off, and this one stays going. Now, I'm not telling you to train, change your habits. Uh, there, it's, there's an advantage of being behind cars where you can see what's happening ahead of you, but it's not necessarily the way to get ahead. Now, yes, what motivates me sometimes is impatience. Because I don't understand the delay in leaving traffic lights. Um, and sometimes I want to use my right hand on the center part of my steering wheel. Uh, I have already, after I think it's been plenty long enough, only to find out that the person... I, I've seen people sit through a left turn arrow. The whole thing, because they were looking at their phone. I better make a confession here. You think you're not distracted by that thing? I was sitting down at the traffic light in Woodstock, coming north, and at the sheets... There's two left turn lanes, a through lane, and a right turn lane. And I had received a phone call about that time, and I had glanced at my phone. And I looked up, and I saw green, and I started through the light. The green was the left turn arrows, and I was going straight through. 
motivates me. What motivates me to get in the shortest line at the checkout in the grocery store or at Walmart? No, I don't go to Walmart much. I'd rather go somewhere else than Walmart. But what motivates us? Did you ever consider that it might be best to be in the longest line? You might have some opportunities there. I'm not going to check and see which line you get in. But what motivates us in life? Why do you change lanes in congestion when traffic's going slowly? What motivates us? You're not getting as far ahead as what you think. I just remember good many years ago coming around Washington, D.C. on the Beltway. We were in heavy traffic. And I'm not bragging on staying in my lane, okay? But I stayed in my lane. And somebody else was going, weaving through traffic. And their vehicle was something that could be easily recognized. You know how many times... They passed me going around the beltway. They passed us 11 times. So that means that they got ahead of us, yeah. But then they somehow got behind and they had to pass again. So, you know, sometimes the motivating factor doesn't accomplish what we want in life. So why do you let other people go first? I thought about calling somebody by name and asking them why they let others go first, but I won't do that. Why do you let other people go first? It's okay to let other people go first for the right reason. But if you're letting somebody go first so that they will think, if I'm letting somebody go first so that they will, others will think better of me, I'm motivated by the wrong thing. Yeah, Scripture tells us to um, prefer others before ourselves. That's not the natural man, let me tell you. What motivates me? And this, please don't go home and say that I'm just concerned about what you do in life. Well, yeah, I am. Because what you do in those kind of situations is a reflection on the whole of your life. You don't live a fake motivation and somehow you're right in the rest of your life. I didn't look at the, the intermediate Sunday school class, Sunday school lesson until after I worked on this, but th theirs was pretty good too. There was an account in there of 
a 90-some-year-old woman, and I'm right now I'm not quite sure how this all fits into this, but I'm going to tell you anyhow, um, that was following God, it was showing on her face. She was motivated by the right thing. But there was a Catholic priest that came and wanted to make sure that she was ready. She said, you haven't come for... Any of y'all in the youth class, I mean, the intermediate class, remember what that word was? That uh, Anyhow, the, the priest used a word that this 90-year-old woman didn't understand. And he said, well, you haven't come for your, your key to get into the, to the celestial city. And um, she said, uh, could I hold your hand? The 90-year-old lady asked the priest if she could hold her hand. And she looked at his hand for a little while, and she told the priest, said, you're an imposter. And he said, what are you talking about? She said, the man that forgives my sins has a scar in his hand. What motivates me? She was motivated by the right thing, by the way. I'm not sure I would have been that straightforward. But uh, I'm not 90 years old yet. Maybe I'll get that bold. Now this next one, why do I pray the way I do? And I don't, don't hear or see this as much as I did when I was younger. Um, I had uh, a, um, and I see there's something of interest out the window. I'll just tell you a little bit about that, okay? Somebody called, and Nathan and Josiah are out there seeing how they can meet this person's need, okay? Um, <laughs> so we maybe will find out about it later. I'm not sure. So why do I pray the way I do? And I, I wondered, I could name you some, some men from when I was young that could pray in public probably five minutes. Now, maybe it wasn't quite that long, but it seemed like it was that long. Uh, and I, I'm not judging those men. They're, they've gone to their reward. But I, I did wonder why. Now, maybe we've sort of gotten in the ditch on the other side. And our, our prayers aren't very long anymore. And I'm not here promoting one or the other, but I'm just wondering why do we pray the way we do? Remember what Jesus said to those that pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets so that they can be seen of men? His response was, they've got what they were motivated about. They got the praise of men. He said, if you want to talk to me, go pray in your closet. Now, I'm not opposing public prayer here at all this morning, okay? But I just wonder what motivates our prayers. What motivates our life? I've got way more than I'm going to get through here with this morning, but I want to um, read some from... Um, Oh, 
Let me go back to this praying just a little bit as I look at these verses a little more. So, what about my prayers at mealtime? Now, I pray at breakfast and lunch and supper, or breakfast, dinner, and supper, uh, or breakfast and lunch and dinner, whichever your, your uh, upbringing dictates. I was brought up with, with breakfast, dinner, and supper. But are they just vain repetitions? Now, the context of the scripture would have to do with these long prayers. They started repeating themselves. They didn't remember what they prayed in the first sentence, so they're repeating it again. And they think that these long prayers have a positive effect. It does. Jesus said, you got your reward. Now, sometimes we look in a negative way. I want to read through some in 2 Corinthians 5 starting at verse 12 says for we do not commend ourselves again to you but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf and that's not the point this morning either but that but that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart for if we are beside ourselves it is for God or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And we'll stop here just a little bit. Now I mentioned helping others. The situation I mentioned, I believe, was compelled out of a heart of love for Christ. That's proper motivation. But if it's compelled out of a heart of recognition, it's a wrong motivation. In other words, I want people to think, yeah, I'll go out and help people. Uh-uh. The love of Christ compels us. Verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet, know, yet now we know him thus no longer. What does that mean? That we don't know anybody after the flesh? And Paul says we knew Christ after the flesh, but that's not the way I know him anymore. Christ died for everyone, so there's no longer Jew, Gentile, Roman, Greek, Scythian in Christ. We don't look at them that way. We don't look at somebody because of their background when they're in Christ. They died to that, okay? They're now alive in Christ. It 
So we don't know them as belonging to the old fleshly races any longer. Just like the songwriter said, I'm just a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. Saved by the grace of God. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So those old motivating factors should not be controlling what we do. We should be motivated out of that. We should be compelled by the love of Christ to do those things. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What motivates you and I can affect that ministry of bringing others to Christ. Verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you in Christ's stead, Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What motivated the Apostle Paul? And yes, I know that Paul wrote 2 Corinthians to the Corinthian church. In Acts, it tells us this. In Acts 20, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to, re to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what the Apostle Paul did. He was pointing others to Christ. And he said, I proclaimed it. Personally, privately, and publicly. And notice what he says in verse 22 of chapter 20 of Acts. Now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But, None of those things motivate me, he says. That's putting in my words. Verse 24, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the great gospel of the grace of God. Paul said my motivation factor is to finish and proclaim Jesus Christ and to proclaim his gospel. Any other thing doesn't motivate him. Didn't motivate him. And it should not motivate us. 
So I don't know what motivates you. Well, yes, I do know what motivates you this morning, at least in most cases. And I'm happy about that. But I haven't arrived yet. You know, I still get some underlying motives that are not very sanctified. So I just want to leave you with a couple of questions. No one question. What motivates me in my life? And what motivates you in your life? And I don't want you to quit doing the good things you're doing. But I do want you to do them for the right reason. Can we have a song, please?